0: good afternoon and good evening to the rest of you we are back for another episode of bitcoin magazine live it is I, your host q coming to you yet again from my mother's basement i'm joined by my co-host p coming from god knows where and we are joined by the ceo and uh we founder of eci developments mike cobb mike how are you doing today
1: i'm good q nice to be with you all today
0: thank you very much for joining us mike um and for those who are not familiar with, to give a little bit of background on ECI, your work is rooted in real estate down in El Zonte in particular, correct? Talk to us a little bit about the work you're doing there.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, we started our company 26 years ago, so we've been around quite a while. Uh, we actually got our start in Belize. Uh, we uh, also work in Nicaragua, Costa Rica, and Panama, but most recently, yes, in El Zonte and El Salvador. And you know, the, the, the thing that's really kind of exciting uh, for us is the ability to build a physical community for what has largely been an online community or, or a remote community, right? And so uh, it, it really fits in well with who we are as a company and what we've been doing for for so many years uh, to now be able to do it for the Bitcoin community in El Salvador. So yeah, yeah, that's that, that's the latest and newest and, and it's, it's, it's very, very exciting.
0: Talk to us first before we dive deep into Alzante and all that work, how you first came to learn about Bitcoin. When was it and what was your initial sort of reaction to Bitcoin?
1: Sure. Well, you know, I I was speaking at a conference in Belize back in late 2014, 2015, somewhere along there. And one of the speakers was someone I'd seen around at some of the other conferences that I speak at, uh, Paul Rosenberg. And and I, I don't know if you know Paul or not, but he he uh, he's been in the space for a long time. He gave a presentation about Bitcoin and the blockchain and digital security. Uh, that's his specialty is digital security. And and he really encouraged me to to buy some Bitcoin back in 2015. And sadly, I was way too busy and and had a million things going on and, and, and did not. Of course, uh, that's the story many of us uh, can tell. Uh, so, uh, but but that was my first that was my first exposure to it, and I and by the way, I love the concept. I thought, oh, this is awesome! Talk about something that's you know it's decentralized. It 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 pulls power away from you know national governments and federal governments to to control monetary policy, right? It, and 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 it really provides a a broad base of of monetary exchange right i got it i mean that was that was the basis of his presentation right then there was the whole crypto and security side of it and the privacy side of it too so like it all made sense to me uh, sad i didn't you know follow his advice and pick up some at the time but but it put it on my radar screen and then two three years later sometime in 2017 somebody approached our company and said hey would you be willing to take bitcoin for one of your teak we're also in the agricultural space we, we've done a lot of teak plantations over the years i planted a teak plantation in panama back in 1999 uh, and those trees are now you know 23 years old but but we were approached by somebody who was interested in owning a part of the plantation ask if we would take bitcoin and this was i think 2017 and and we looked at it and we talked about it briefly internally we said yeah we'll we'll take bitcoin uh, so we did. It was a very small transaction. It was you know six seven thousand dollars. It wasn't a big transaction, but but we took it in Bitcoin, uh, and 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 sadly we did not keep it again, <laughs> you know. And and then that's sort of the nature. By the way, one of the things I'm most excited about El Salvador, is that it is a legal tender in that country. Whereas everywhere else I work, when I get Bitcoin, I can't spend that Bitcoin on concrete blocks, steel, windows, doors. We build houses. We build condominiums, right? So we we have to take the, the Bitcoin and we have to turn it into dollars for the most part. We keep a small percentage now. Um, but we have to turn the biggest chunk of it into dollars so we can pay our suppliers. The nice thing about El Salvador is that will we actually be able to take that Bitcoin and use it in our transactional uh, uh, contracts with our contractors and with our suppliers in El Salvador and we won't have to you know convert it out of Bitcoin. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that was that was our first transaction 2017 for. Uh, a teak parcel. Yeah.
0: Could you maybe share a little bit of like what the pros and cons your team came up with for that initial transaction? Like, was what were some of the people who were against Bitcoin really saying in their argument for why they shouldn't or why you shouldn't accept Bitcoin as payment here?
1: Q let me let me say that that I don't think there was anyone in our organization that was against taking the Bitcoin. The only challenge was how we were going to take it you know, we didn't have a wallet, right? We, we, I mean, I mean, there were just what I'm going to call just administrative clerical kinds of challenges to taking the Bitcoin. Uh, we, I think we were all on board with it. I, the, the conversations internally were more of the, you know, how are we going to do it? So we had to set up a wallet, right? And we didn't have one. And, and for a company to set up a wallet, especially in 2017, it was very, very challenging. And so what we did was we actually set up a personal wallet to take that first transaction, which... You know, isn't a great corporate thing because obviously you want to keep corporate and private separate. You know, from individuals. Um, but we did. We set up a private individual wallet. We took that transaction and we moved those funds from the wallet. You know, from the cash into the company at that point. Uh, but it was it really the thing. The thing that we. I mean, we're look. We're on the leading edge. I mean, we, we started working in Belize twenty six years ago. Right. We've uh, we've worked in Nicaragua for twenty two years. You know, we're on the front edge, we're, we're a very adventurous company. And, and, and so taking Bitcoin uh, wasn't really a stretch for us, you know, philosophically, or, 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 or at a corporate level at all, it was just an administrative function of, you know, how do we do it. And, and we've since set up a corporate wallet that that took some time, obviously, you know, the KYC, you know uh, know your client. The you know the whole anti-money laundering, and then the uh, underlying beneficial owner, ultimate beneficial owner. I mean, those are the kinds of things that that come into play, and the compliance paperwork uh, is complicated when you're a company because you're not just an individual. If for an individual to fill out that paperwork is pretty easy, but for a company to do it, it, it's 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 more complicated. It's more cumbersome. Uh, we worked through those challenges, and we we now have a wallet, but. But yeah, we we were excited. We wanted to take the uh, the, the Bitcoin, uh, you know, and 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 to really get that first Bitcoin transaction in house, and 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 you know we did, and and a, and a lot more have followed since.
0: You found like you know you're talking about this transaction that happened in 2017, 2018. In that time, I think the entire Bitcoin ecosystem has done a really good job of I think increasing both its exposure mm-hmm. as well as product offerings for the less technical people like myself. Have have you guys shifted that sort of wallet approach? Has it become easier over time with these new offerings? Or are you still using sort of the original wallet that you guys have used?
1: Yeah, good good question. We, we as quickly as we could, I think it was actually 20. It took us another couple of years. So it was 2020 before we actually were able to set up a corporate wallet, which we did with Coinbase. Uh, and uh, And we've tied it to a citizen's bank account. So it's a direct... You know, it's a direct tie into a, to our corporate bank account as well and 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 it's been working really well for for large transactions real estate transactions the one place where we're we're shifting now i think to BitPay. i, I think that's right i'm not 100 sure but um uh, uh we're shifting uh, out of coinbase exclusively because we want the ability to do smaller transactions we, we have a hospitality business as well right we we develop you know homes condominiums resort communities and for some people who want to live there, it's great. And we do have a lot of full-time residents living at our resort communities. But when people aren't there or for some of the folks who are investors, they want to be able to rent their properties. And so one of the things we had to have and we had to really develop was this hospitality piece to be able to take smaller transactions without you know, what I'm going to call the enhanced due diligence. Like if somebody's buying a $150,000 condo or home, there's a lot of due diligence that goes into that. If somebody's gonna, you know, come stay three nights for, you know, three hundred fifty bucks, you know, it's a different level of due diligence. And so we wanted the ability to have sort of a bifurcation uh, administratively: the big, the big transactions that require a lot of due diligence, and then the smaller transactions that require, you know, less uh, due diligence. And so I think we've been able to to figure that out. But in in both cases now, they are ECI wallets, not personal wallets.
0: So talk to us now a little bit. We've talked about this transaction in Belize and the due diligence that you and your team sort of put into when exploring these opportunities for both potential renters or potential buyers, as well as those investors you guys work on behalf of. Talk to us about how you guys saw the opportunity in El Zante. This is ground zero for how Bitcoin Citadels look, operate, how Bitcoin has risen up. When did you guys start getting involved there?
1: Well, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was almost a year ago. It was last June when uh, there was the Bitcoin conference in Miami. It was over uh, in the Arts District, and it was uh, we were we were uh, speaking. I was speaking in one of the one of the venues. We also had a, a booth in the exhibit hall, and it was on the, the second day of the conference. Uh, and in fact, I mean, we, we, we've kind of kept track of what's going on. Obviously, we're, we're in that community, and so we we kind of heard the rumblings. Yeah, El Salvador going to do something, and you know, and I hate to say it, I'm I'm I hate to say I'm cynical, but you know, I hear a lot of like something's going to happen. Well, you know, when it happens, let me know, right? And so I pay attention to the you know to the rumbles, but but when it really happens, that's that's ultimately what we what we're going to act on, right? So we we kind of heard the rumblings that Bukele was going to do some stuff in El Salvador. We're keeping our ear to the ground on that. And then on the second day of the conference, we had our booth. We were swamped, by the way. And 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 you know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I don't get it. I really don't understand why there aren't more realtor, developer, you know, folks like us in this space. I think we were the one of two exhibitors at that conference. Last year in the real estate space, there was a Miami developer with a condo project there in Miami, and then there was us, and we're all offshore, right? We do everything in Central and South America. And, and by the way, same thing is true this year. Uh, you know, I think there were two, maybe three exhibitors. There was the, uh, the Bitcoin Towers guys, there was us, and then I think one more real estate group at the, at the conference. But, you know, but it is what it is, right? But last year in June, we were there, we were swamped. We had people stacked up at the booth, you know, solid three days. And and I'm out in front of the booth, and uh, uh, you know this guy comes up and introduces himself. He says his name is you know Mike Peterson, and and and, and I didn't know who Mike Peterson was, right? And I, again, I've been listening to some rumblings on the ground about El Salvador, but I hadn't really dug in very much on it. And so this guy introduces himself, Mike Peterson, and he's in the food business, and he's got this piece of property in El Zonte, Bitcoin Beach. And I say, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, right. He says, would you guys be interested in talking about a a joint venture. I said, "Well, sure, you know." And again, I don't know who he is at this point. It's just some guy named Mike in the food business in San Diego, and I say, "Okay, Mike," because I get the, I get approached by this a lot, right? I mean, at conferences, probably at every conference, one or two people comes up to me and says, "Hey, I've got this piece of property. Would you would you be interested in doing something with me?" And so the first thing I say is, "Let's, yeah, probably. Let's see. Let's let's look at it. Send me a copy of your title. That's the first thing." I want to. I mean, lots of people say they have property; they don't, right? Send me a copy of your title. Send me a map. Send me four or five pictures, and send me any kind of write-up or if you have topography or anything on the property. So that's and yeah, Mike and I we talk for a little bit, and it's a nice, casual conversation. He goes away, and okay, whatever, I forget about it. On Tuesday, I start getting emails into my inbox with title, pictures, you know, map, survey, all that kind of stuff. I think, all right, he's real. So whatever, we go back and forth, and over the course of maybe four or five weeks, we we kind of figure out a letter of intent, right? Like, what, what's it going to look like to put a deal together? And so I hand it off to my business partner, who's, who's an attorney, and the next morning, I get a call. This is five weeks into it. I get a call from his secretary, Mary, and Mary goes, hey, Mike, do you know who you're working with in El Salvador? And I'm thinking, oh, well, all right. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. She goes, no, no. I say, oh, yeah, Mike Peterson. She goes, yeah, but do you know who he is? I said, I don't know, some guy has a food, but she goes, he's the big, he's the godfather of Bitcoin in El Salvador. And I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, yeah. I just sent you a link to the Forbes article, blah, 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 and, and so, okay. So th- th- a couple things about that. I really, really appreciated the fact that he didn't brag on himself. He didn't say you know, who he was other than this guy, Mike has a piece of land. Um, and 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 he followed through, and we worked out a whole deal, and it never even came up what his real foundational piece of bringing Bitcoin into the country of of El salvador was and 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 how he did it. And I you know, obviously, you know, I called him up a few minutes later. I'm like, hey, man, why didn't you tell me any of this stuff, right? And uh, anyway, we laughed, we we had a good conversation. but but it's been a real pleasure getting to know Mike and Brittany, his wife, and and Jorge and and Roman and the whole team down there. That whole you know Bitcoin Beach community and what they've done with Hope House over the years. Uh, it, I mean, it, these are exactly the kind of people that we want to do business with, and and it was really serendipity, uh, honestly. Q. I mean, I didn't. It wasn't something I tried to do. Uh, Mike sought us out as as a potential development partner uh, for his property. So. So that that that's really how it came about.
0: I'm assuming you have made your way down and personally like seen El Zante. Yes. What was the what was the experience like the first trip down?
1: Well, okay. So I lived in Nicaragua. I moved to Nicaragua in 2002 with my wife and my two-year-old daughter, and you know we went there to get our Grand Pacifica community started, and 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 we thought we would be there for eh, two, three, maybe four years. That that's how I sold it to my wife. I'm like, honey. <laughs> We got to go to Nicaragua for a few years, get this project started, and and what was funny was, you know, about three three and a half years into it, she and I went out to dinner, and and we'd kept our home in the U.S. where I am today, we, and we kept our home in the states, and uh, because we thought we were coming back in a couple of years, and it rented out, and you know, we're in a little college town, so it's good, and um, and we went out to dinner, and we'd had another daughter uh, came along, so we now we had two daughters, and. And and we went out to dinner, and we made the list. We just wrote down every single reason we could think of to stay in Nicaragua versus go back to the U.S. And it was very quickly apparent, like we were staying in Nicaragua. But we kept making the list, all the things we you know we we missed back home, and weren't many, and and all the good things to to for either. And and we ended up staying in Nicaragua. You know, eleven more years. We were in Nicaragua a total of fourteen years, and so. You know, going and I'd been to El Salvador a few times over the years. Uh in fact, I, I was invited there about uh five years ago as a guest of the government to come look at developing there. So I'd already kind of put a brain power to it. I'd met with some of their their tourism and housing folks. So I had I had some you know some background already when I went to El Zonte for my first trip, which was I guess July or August of last year. I don't remember at this point, but but prior to the to the big day of 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 September seventh. But Um, Anyway, you know, my my impressions when I got there was that it was uh, it it, it reminded me a lot of Nicaragua. Uh, It it was I mean, it's the same kind of climate. It's really the same ocean, you know, 100 miles north, right? Same climate, the same geography, about 100 miles north. The thing that the thing that uh, El Zonte has and El Salvador has is a much larger economy. Uh, it, it, the GDP is higher, you can just tell. I mean, it's not nearly as poor as a country like Nicaragua. But in so many ways, it's familiar. The Spanish they speak is very similar. Uh, the accent was familiar to me. I, you know, I learned to speak Spanish a little bit in Nicaragua. But, but, but for me, it, it, it kind of felt like home. I don't, I, again, having lived in Nicaragua for 14 years, you know, I, when I go to back to Nicaragua now and I'm there you know, five, six times a year, I feel at home. I drop right in. I'm at home, and when I went to El Zonte, I really felt at home again. It, it's a small town on the ocean. Uh, it's uh, but it's vibrant. I mean, it's a small town, but it's vibrant, and 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 I think that uh, that that really has to do obviously with with what's what's happening in, in in Bitcoin and 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 also what what Mike and and you know and Jorge and Ramon and the team have done there uh, to bring vitality and vibrancy to uh, a, a struggling community. You know, certainly during the COVID period, but but again, w- what happened with Bitcoin during the COVID time really kept that community vibrant in a way that that I think other communities, you know, a few miles up and down the coast, you know, the whole coast kind of thing, really didn't didn't get the benefit of that and didn't 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 thrive as 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 much as as El Zonte did uh, during a during a really really tough period, right?
0: I love that. Um, it's also so incredible to hear just like your experience just all throughout Central America. Um, I'm curious, just what is of any place you visited in that region of the world? What is your favorite?
1: Uh, you know, N- Nicaragua was my favorite. Cause I lived there. I raised some daughters. I got a ton of memories, you know, my little, my little girls, you know, doing, you know, rescuing sea turtles and Baby turtle releases. I mean, you know, you, you are up in the jungle, up in the cloud forest. I mean, just tons of of great memories that that we as a family built in Nicaragua. So, I mean, it's it's just so near and dear to my heart. Uh, but but certainly, uh, believe it or not, I mean, El Salvador. But I'm going to be very specific. Not not the country, but El Zonte as a town, uh, grabs my heart in in a powerful way, uh, and so I, it probably comes in number two. Uh, you know, and, and the other thing that that from a cor- company perspective, right, from a from a whole like top top down looking down at the country of El Salvador, just the fact that that here's a leader who said, you know what, we're going to make Bitcoin legal tender. I mean, I mean, wow, let me just be just like, wow, I, 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 I mean, flabbergasted. I mean, again, you hear the rumblings, you hope it happens, but to actually see somebody do it. So so when that kind of thing happens at a country level. And then you've got this little fun, funky, you know, surf town, you know, beach town that the the two, the two layer together, pretty nice. Um, I I really like El Zante. And, you know, and 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 the other thing is the people, you know, I've become friends with Jorge, I've become friends with Roman, obviously, Mike and Brittany. And so when you make the personal connections with people, then it, then it changes that dynamic again, uh, significantly as well. Um, I'm a fan of Panama. I, I, you know, I I like Panama. Uh I've been spending a lot of time there since the mid-90s speaking at conferences, obviously our teak plantation. We're we're developing a couple resort communities there too. Um it, it has a similar feel to uh again the Pacific side of Central America kind of has a pretty common geography or geographic feel to it. Uh but uh um but but that small town I grew up in a small town in northwest Pennsylvania uh, and uh, you know, small towns really do it for me. And by the way, people—people people, sometimes people laugh because I always say that you know Nicaragua is a small town. I mean, no matter where you go in the country, you see people, you see somebody you know, right? So Nicaragua is a small town, but but you know El Zonte is truly a, a small, uh, but but vibrant, fun place with with yeah, yeah.
0: So Mike, I as I've very well established, and everyone who tunes into the show knows, do not own property. I live in my mother's basement. So I'm going to ask you some questions, but you're going to have to talk to me like I'm a kid who lives in his mom's basement. All right. What are, like, walk us through the differences or at least maybe paint the picture because most of our audience does live in North America and the United States or just in Western developed countries. What are sort of the steps it takes for you guys to plan and execute building these type of properties in more developed parts of the world versus in Central America and then more specifically in El Zante? Yeah.
1: In, you know I, I i don't know that the process like the actual process is very different but there are certain pieces of the process that are 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 accentuated in north america that may be less so in central america and and vice versa and so i'll just give one example you know, well let let me let me back up and say that you know that, that there there's a belief a, a, i would say a a bad belief i don't know i mean that's a moral judgment but let me make it there's a bad belief that the way to do business in in latin america is to is to bribe and pay people off, right? I mean, it's sort of the way things are done, kind of thing. You know, we, we've been in business 26 years as a development company. We've never paid a bribe in 26 years, and 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 it's made our job more difficult at times because you know it is somewhat expected. Maybe it's more prevalent than it is in the U.S., although I'm pretty sure it probably happens up here too, right? But but the point is, is that you know we've taken a stance. We're not gonna we're not gonna pay bribes. We, we're not gonna pay people off, and. And where that impacts your business. So, in the US, in, in, in the development business, the first thing you do is entitlements or permitting, right? Generally called permitting. And so, you, let's, let's get through that. You own the property, you find a partner. That part's kind of similar, right? Now, what's the next thing you do? Well, you begin a permitting process. You begin the entitlement of the property. You get, you know, you do, if there are zoning issues, if there are environment, there are always environmental uh, impacts, there are construction permits you know, and all the engineering to make sure that you're doing it right. That process in the US tends to be fairly cumbersome and fairly long. In a state like California, that can take a decade. I mean, literally, you can own a property and not be doing anything to it for a decade. In Central and South America, that process is fairly compressed, right? It, it, it's a lot shorter. It might be 12 to 18 months. If you do it right, and, and we do it right. I mean, we want to be responsible corporate citizens. We are responsible corporate citizens. But, but when you do it, you've got, you know, you hire the engineering companies, you build out you know, your plans, you submit those plans, you get your, you get your environmental permits, you get your construction permits, then you can actually move to construction. Well, that process takes shorter in Central America, longer in the US. However, when you get to the point of getting started, then it flip-flops actually the, the the actual construction of say infrastructure roads water sewer telecommunications all of those kinds of things homes in any kind of big quantity that happens a lot faster in the u.s because you've got a lot more machinery you've got a lot more uh uh, uh sophistication in the process right because it is a process all of that's a process whereas it drags out more in central america because you might not have the equipment the process the systems uh, the The contractors, the ability to outsource a lot of things, just simply doesn't exist. So you got to home grow a lot of things, right? So, so that takes longer, whereas it takes shorter in the U.S. Um, but, but that's about it. It's kind of a flip flop, I think. On the on the on the big spectrum, I would say that probably, and it's state by state. Some states are faster than others. You know, California is probably the worst. You start a project, you might not be selling or building houses for you know five to ten to twelve years. You know, uh, other states it might be you know two three years, and so I think Central America kind of fits in there. You know, two three years from uh, acquisition of a property to the delivery of the first homes, and so that's kind of what we're looking at in El Zonte. I mean we we put our we put our agreement together with Mike uh, last summer last fall. Uh, we've we've uh, we we had our zoning changes done, which was great. Uh, we're in the process of working with the. Uh, Engineering firm right now to produce the documents for infrastructure again roads, water, sewer, uh, so that we can actually submit for our environmental permit. And that once we submit those, the time frame is six months to eighteen months, right? You don't know, but but hopefully we can move things through fairly quickly. Let's call it you know nine to twelve months. So it's about a year from right now, uh, Q, before we would actually have product that we could bring to the marketplace where we could actually say okay here's the home here's how much it costs here's where it's going to go and if we start it you know 90 days from now you'll have it in in 10 months or whatever right so so it it's it's really three years i mean that that's the timeline you know if you do it right start to finish it's about a three-year window uh, on, on the front side and then obviously once you start building you know it you know you build large I and mean, we build large communities right we build anything from you know, maybe, you know, three, four dozen homes or condos up to, you know, several thousand addresses. And I think the El Zonte project, again, we've proposed and we don't know yet because we have to get back permits to, to give us the permission to do this. But we're we're anticipating somewhere around 200 to 300 addresses on this site, which is a village. I mean, that, that that's really what we do. We build villages. And when you get two to three hundred addresses, and you figure about 1.5 people per, per address on average, right? You're 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 at about four to five hundred folks who become part of this village, and 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 that really becomes a community in, in some neat ways. I mean, it, it, it's dynamic. You have enough people to have different neighborhoods or different groupings, right? Different friendship circles and that kind of stuff. Um, but yet, if you want to do something like a concert or 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 get everybody together you can get a few hundred people together, and and, and people can come together, and, and you'll know everybody. At least you'll know them by sight. You might not really know them as friends, but in a village, everybody knows everybody else, and and that sense of community is 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 really powerful, and in fact, I'll, I'll just tell a, a quick story. At our Grand Pacifica community uh, last fall, uh, a, a, a guy, one of our residents, uh, hit two boys, little boys, like a, a 13, 14-month-old and a and about a four-year-old hit him with his truck that was glare. He didn't see him. He ran over him. And, the, uh, and, and both were in the hospital for a little bit of time. And one was some pretty serious stuff. They're both recovered. But I can tell you that the community rallied around both the family of the kids who got hit and the guy who'd hit him. I mean, he was despondent with grief. I mean, he just, you know, run over a couple little kids, right? So like the community came together and supported both of these folks in ways that was 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 powerful and and it was uh, it it was truly as a developer as someone who's you know built the physical part of this right you know the old saying concrete steel and lumber make the buildings but people make the community and so we did our part with the concrete steel and lumber but but the people who were there and the community that was there rallied around uh, these folks and 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 that's what's really going to be special about what we're doing in in El Zante as well because Look, I, I, the one thing that I noticed last year at the, at the June conference, the Bitcoin conference in June in Miami last year was how electric it was. And, and I've seen this. I mean, I've been doing this for 26 years and, and our business for the first you know 20 of those years or 23 of those years was mostly retiree and pre-retiree, right? But, but there's an electricity in the air when you get people together who share common philosophies and common uh, excitement about something, right? And, and, and it's largely been this idea of an expat lifestyle, right? So we get the pre-retirees together. They're all happy to be together because now they don't feel like a freak talking about moving to Mexico or moving to Nicaragua of all places, right? Or Belize or wherever with the people around them because like everyone else is kind of thinking the same thing, right? When I got to that Bitcoin conference in June, it was quickly apparent, not in the conference room, but obviously in the exhibit hall in the conference room. that was That's always loud and noisy. Where I noticed it was when we went to that little taco place. I can't remember the name of it now. Great taco place, by the way. There was a line, I don't know, half a mile long, wrapping around the block, and there were people everywhere. The excitement in the line of people waiting to get into that taco stand, it wasn't just my group of two talking with my you know my people or three or four people it was people up and down the line talking and getting to know the people around them that almost never happens and, and I mean that is excitement that's electricity that's tribe and, and and so for us to be able to build a physical community where where folks can get together the the the, the, the desire you could just tell the desire to talk to other Bitcoiners was real and it was happening i mean they were getting to know one another standing in this line right and and to be able to build a place that people can enjoy that whenever they want if they want to go on vacation they can enjoy it for a week or two if they want to live there part of the year they can enjoy it part of the year if they want to become a full-time resident they can enjoy it year-round that's really special and 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 of all the things that that drives me it's truly, it's the, it's the delivery of community. Again, I'll do my part. I'll put in the concrete, steel and lumber, right? That's what I do, right? But when the people come together and create real community, uh, it, it's special. And, and this community specifically, the Bitcoin community uh, it is one that doesn't really have a physical place, right? There is no physical place. The one, the one, the one outlier on that may be Puerto Rico. I think you know a lot of folks went to Puerto Rico early on that were in the Bitcoin space. Uh, they tended to be the the whales or the mega whales, but but that's okay too. I mean, like, hey, everybody needs a community, but but this particular community I think will be much more uh, affordable, right? We we hope to have product in the two hundred thousand dollar range, uh, maybe even sub two hundred for 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 some small studio stuff. Because we want to make it as inclusive as possible. We want to get people who are part of the tribe, who are part of the Bitcoin community, and give them the ability to to have ownership, to be able to enjoy you know, the 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 society of other people around them in this village. So um, Q, I went off on a tangent. I have no idea what the question was. I hope I answered it.
2: I don't even know. I'm sorry. I'll be
0: completely honest with you, Mike. I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> I,
2: but I enjoyed the story. I just want to jump in there. <laughs> It's super interesting to me. One of the questions that I was going to ask is, yeah, who is the intended audience for this, um, for this community? And I think you started to answer it. But uh, what type of Bitcoiners are um, are going to be, you know, moving into this space? What are the types of um, of features that may be unique to this space versus uh, just, you know, the types of developments that you built in the past? Sure.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I let me say that I think it's it's the people that will make it distinct, right? And 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 so again, to the extent that you well, let 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 me let me answer it a little bit more specifically, and then we'll come back to the general. Uh, one of the things that we've done and 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 we you know we're doing now is is we're, we're, we've built tiny homes. Anything from and 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 the square footages are misleading, right? So they're sort of the Air, I'm going to call it, you know, internal quote-unquote air-conditioned space, you know, 350 to say 500 square feet, right? But in the tropics, which you know El Zonte is, most people live outside. When we lived in Nicaragua, literally, we open, we got up in the morning, we opened up our doors. We had sliding glass doors, we opened them up. We didn't have we didn't have screens, right? I mean, we just literally opened up to the world, to the outside, and we lived indoors outdoors most of the time on our patio. There's a nice breeze. And so you don't need a lot of inside space, you know, and, 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 and so say four to five hundred square feet, because then if you have rooftop and you have some uh, uh, patio space on the first floor that's covered, covered is the key, right? The sun is strong. The sun is hot. Right. And, and in the rainy season, it rains. Right. But so if you can if you can cover your patio space and have a rooftop that's also covered now, all of a sudden, you know, say four hundred square feet. Actually turns into about 1,200 square feet of livable space. The really cool thing is, you're only paying for the construction of about 400 hard, right? And the roofs cost a little bit of money too, but they don't cost what it costs to actually build walls and windows and you know and all that kind of stuff, right? So, so you're really paying for 400 square feet, but you're getting livable space of say you know, 1,000 1,200 square feet on a smaller tiny home. Well, when you do that, you bring the product into the realm of affordability for folks. And and again, the reason I can't really talk, so at Grand Pacific, let me talk specifically there because I have numbers and I can talk about them, right? We know what it costs to build in Nicaragua. We know what the infrastructure cost is per address because we've already built it. We've paved the road. We ran the water, right? Those kinds of things. So so we actually have homes that start about $135,000. About 150 yards from the ocean at Grand Pacifica, right? So, so somebody comes along and 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 we actually can offer up to 80 percent financing. So somebody comes along with say 25, 30 thousand dollars, you know, in you know, upfront deposit, they can actually own one of these tiny homes and begin to use it and enjoy it, and, you know, and 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 so it it brings it brings ownership of property, uh, uh, not just overseas, but but in this case, overseas. To a uh, to a realm of affordability that most folks don't imagine is possible and 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 what we're seeing uh p is we're getting we're getting people who are truly digital nomads i mean it, it's funny that word i mean th- that word has been thrown around a lot but our company is 26 years old we have been a remote digital nomad company for 26 years because we've worked in multiple countries of the region, and so you know, if if our marketing department is in Belize, they're still doing work for our Nicaragua and our Costa Rica and our Panama company. So so right, so I mean, so we, we've been crisscrossing this remoteness uh, for for the entire existence of our company, and so the the, the 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 concept was very familiar, and so it wasn't a it wasn't a stretch at all. In fact, it was just this natural progression when we started to look at tiny homes that we could say, you know what. These are perfect for people who want to work remotely. And, and so we brought it into the realm of affordability. The thing that got really exciting is, is when you know COVID and the lockdowns and all the stuff from COVID happened. This is this is big. And and, and and actually there's a convergence of things happening right now that that I remain optimistic, but it's it's so big, it could be scary. Think about this. For the first time in human history. Work and the location of work have been decoupled, right? First time in human, when we were hunter-gatherers, we had to be there to gather or hunt. And when we went agriculture, we had to be there to till the fields. When we moved from agricultural to industrial, we had to show up and run the machines, right? Starting in the 70s, I mean, you had guys like uh, Alvin Toffler with Future Shock and John Nesbitt with Megatrends. These guys in the 70s, early 80s, were talking about this word post-industrial society, Right but but i mean i mean 80s came the 90s came 2010 you know right i mean it wasn't until last year that for the first time people actually could could like take advantage of this technological reality which let them work from home i mean it was insane right people got in their cars and drove 2 hours to work on their computer or talk on the phone right i mean like we don't need to do that we know we don't need to do that but but the bosses the companies and the management were like no way because if I let you work from home, I'm pretty sure that you're going to watch Game of Thrones all day or whatever they thought you were going to do, right? And so, and the employees were afraid to ask, because if I ask if I can work from home, well, I'm probably not going to get that promotion that I thought I was going to get, right? So so we have this decoupling of work and the location of work. First time in human history, we really have transitioned into this you know post-industrial society for many people, not for all people, but for many, many people, right? That is huge. Now we're going to layer on this idea of world, world money, right? A, 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 a truly international currency that's not controlled by any federal government. I mean, these two things together. I, I, I mean, I think they're an exponential. I truly believe this is an exponential. It's not an additive quality. I think it's a you know, it's not three plus three. It's three times three, right? and 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 it's it's scary in some great ways, and it's scary in some scary ways, because there are a lot of entrenched interests that don't want either of these things to really go as far as they're probably going to go, right? I mean, the cat's out of the bag. Like there's no putting this cat back in the bag in either case, right? There's not. but but how it goes and how and and the reaction of the entrenched interests who are strong and powerful, and in many cases, federal governments, right, national governments, who, who have the monopoly on violence, right, that's legal violence, right, that's, that's the statement. I'm a, I'm a fairly libertarian guy, and I don't mind calling it like I see it, right, but, but national governments have the monopoly on legal violence, right, and, and those big governments are, are entrenched interests in many ways, corporations likewise, um, our, our big entrenched interests. So, so this convergence of these two things is, is, is powerful. And, and, and for the consumer, for the person who I believe is into Bitcoin, who's a Bitcoiner, right? And, and, and understands that the power of that for their life and the, and the control of their financial future, right? This is a big deal. And then there's the second element. And, and I give a lot of presentations about second residencies, Right. I talk about this thing called a plan B, because and, and in fact, this this is the presentation I've given at the Bitcoin conference now a couple of times. And it's this notion that that that, you know, we Bitcoin gives us financial freedom or, or it's a big part of financial. It's not total, but it's a big part of financial freedom. If We have Bitcoin. You know, we've got a lot of the elements of financial freedom in our hands. But what we don't have and the mistake that I think people make, the the, the missed leap, the the, the false leap is that because I have financial independence and I have financial freedom, I also have personal freedom. But that's not the case. That's not the case. Because you're still, if you don't have a second residency outside your home country, you're a prisoner of your country, right? And and so having this second residency, having a way to be legally allowed to live outside your home country for as long as you want, this this is really important for personal freedom. And so this convergence of financial freedom and personal freedom and this decoupling of work and the location of work, when you put those together, somebody who says, you know what, I have Bitcoin, I want to work, where I can work from anywhere, I love to surf, I want to live where it's warm, whatever their reason is or reasons are, right? Um, I love pupusas, I don't care. I mean, (laughs) whatever it is, right? I want to live in El Salvador, right? So you, you've got the ability to work from anywhere. You've got the desire to live in El Salvador. You've got the affordability. Again, not everybody can afford it, but, but when you can put say $30,000 down, 30, 50,000, i do not pick a number, 30 to $50,000 down, you've brought property ownership overseas into a realm of affordability for a, a lot more people than, than, than if your property start at you know, 250 and go up, right? That, that's a big difference too. Um, and so when you put all those factors together, what I believe, and I'm finally getting to your answer, Pete. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get here right now. Um, the, uh, uh, the the people who I see becoming the 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 core resident group, the 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 core of the village, at, at 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 El Zonte for what we're doing there, are going to be remote workers, right? People who who have the ability, whether they choose to do it there or not. they there are people who p- largely have the ability to do that. They have some measure of financial freedom because they're into Bitcoin and uh, and they want to be around other people who share that sense of of adventure, but also the, the common interests in you know working remotely and 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 being in a fun place together. Uh, th- th- that's really, I would say the foundation of it. Yes, will there be product that's more than 150, $200? I'm sure there will be. I mean we plan to have product kind of at all price stratus. Um, but but again as part of a village that that works too i mean you, you get when you've got when you've got lots of different levels of of income and wealth not just sorry income but lots of different wealth levels and you see that the, at the conference i mean there are whales walking around and there are people with you know 3 satoshis in their pocket right I mean, they're still talking about the same stuff. They're, you know, they're 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 enjoying the company of one another, right? Because because it's about a philosophy. It's about a it's about a way of life when you when you move it to a village, right? But it's but you know, it's a, it's about a philosophy at a conference or or you know, something like that. But but when you move it to a location, like it's actually becomes a way of life. And 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 your level of wealth and your level or level of income are a lot less important in that. But but we want again, we want to make it you know as inclusive as as possible. And then the other thing that's happening now is you've got companies like Salt and Milo and some others. Uh, I think Abro's coming out with a product. I don't know. I, I'm, they're, they're, it's kind of evolving, right? Who are, who are giving people mortgages with their Bitcoin as collateral. And, and we're just scratching the surface of, of companies that are going to do that. Uh, none of them right now do it offshore. It's all domestic. And so the next evolution, I think you know, we, we've, we've engaged each of those three companies that I just mentioned to say, hey, like, hello, let's try to do it overseas, too. Let's not just lock it into a to a U.S. product. And 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 we're getting some some people listening. So hopefully that'll that'll change the the, the, the financing dynamic for folks with, you know, with, with Bitcoin that they want to pledge as collateral as well. So, again, lots of different levers that that people can can pull to make this work for them.
2: Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. One of the panels that I was super excited to build out at the conference was the, uh, what, there was one that was focused specifically on Bitcoin mortgages. I think that's a really interesting yeah, and really important developing, um, developing system.
1: It is. Well, Pete, if you've got any influence with those guys, you know, beat them up real good and tell them to take a look at doing some stuff offshore too, okay?
2: All right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that, that they're only uh, US-based. That's super interesting.
1: Yep. You know, and and I understand because I think most of them are actually looking at cross collateralizing. They collateralize with the Bitcoin, but they also collateralize the property. Yep. And so I, I get it. I mean, how do you collateralize a house in El Salvador? Right? Got it. Yeah. But but you know, at a certain amount of of Bitcoin, right? Y- you don't need that cross collateralization anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But although although it's it's not hard to collateralize a house in El Salvador either, actually. Um, so again, it, it you know that it, it could it could be their model with offshore or it could just be you know enhanced enhanced Bitcoin collateral to do it. But yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 The people that were on that panel were Ledden, uh, Hoseki and Milo. And I think okay. you're right that they only offer uh US based, you know, US based mortgages. So far. <laughs> so far, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, well, Mike. My- do you mind talking a little bit, because I know at the very beginning, you touched on the fact that the very first Bitcoin transaction was seemingly like, for all intents and purposes, an all-cash transaction. And then you guys moved on from that, except the cash in this instance was Bitcoin. Uh, talk to us about the hurdles of accepting Bitcoin, both as a payment for fully for cash versus using it as collateral to then take some more payments down the line. And what like risk assessment you have to take as a result of that?
1: You know, the, again, the issue for us—we actually have—I'll make up a number—and I mean, we have about, I think, we have about 150 employees of the company, direct employees, outside contractors, and construction people too. But, but about 150 people kind of in the company, and I think 15 or 20 of them are actually taking a uh, uh, Bitcoin as part of their compensation program, which is tremendous. And so, you know, we we have a we have a group of people in in the company that are. That are you know obviously very enthusiastic about Bitcoin and 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 are taking part of their compensation in it. The uh, but outside of that, there's nothing we can do. Well, that's not true. We paid our engineering firm. That's not true. We paid our engineering firm in El Salvador in Bitcoin. So that was maybe our first third party transaction that occurred in in Bitcoin, which is exciting. And that happened uh, at late last year, I think, early this year. I don't remember. Anyway. But but outside of that one specific example, there is nothing we can do with our Bitcoin other than keep it, you know, which we are keeping some of it um, other than just, you know, pay the employees who want to get paid in Bitcoin. The the challenge for us as a company, again, is that, you know, we have to buy concrete, steel, lumber, you know, I mean, windows, doors, I mean, everything it takes to build, you know, homes and condominiums. And so we have to convert the biggest part of our, our our Bitcoin into fiat. And we do. And, and, and I'm happy to share this. I mean, we're a very transparent company. You know, our profit margin on our product is somewhere between 21 and 23 percent. That's our profit margin, 21 to 23 percent. So right now we have a standing order with Coinbase that when the money comes in, 95 percent of it gets converted to dollars immediately and 5 percent stays in, in uh, Bitcoin. And that 5 percent that stays represents about 25 percent of our profit right that's that's 25% of our profit so we're willing to keep 25% of our profit there the rest of it we move into dollars so that we can transact for all the stuff we need uh, again in El Salvador it's going to be very very different because we're going to have the ability to accept the bitcoin from a client and immediately pay our concrete supplier or our steel supplier or our our road builder or whatever it is or our house builder right or or our employees Right. And so that changes the dynamic of what we can do and what we will do with Bitcoin as we receive it. And, and, and there'll probably be people like if we have to buy stuff from Mexico, which we will. I mean, I mean, again, not everything's made in El Salvador. Right. So the stuff we have to buy other places, we're still going to have to convert and pay in fiat. But but a, a bigger chunk of our transactional business will be in Bitcoin in El Salvador. And, and for us, You know, philosophically, that's really important. Again, I I mentioned I'm a libertarian. I love the idea of of this, you know, financial independence. And and for me, the ability to transact as much as possible in Bitcoin is highly attractive philosophically, right? I love it. I think it's tremendous, and I want to do more of it. But I'm also a businessman, and I have to be realistic and practical. I can only do it to the extent that I can do it. Um, But uh, I don't know, you did that answer the question?
0: I think to a degree. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious though, if like accepting Bitcoin or this shift over the last five years that your company has taken to really adopting Bitcoin, has that changed any risk calculations when incorporating sort of price fluctuation of Bitcoin or how does that Mm. factor into anything?
1: Yeah. I mean, good question now. Sorry. I missed that on the first uh, go. So you know, we we mentally, I'm, I mean, I'm physically on paper, not on paper, electronically, whatever. We model our pricing based on a U.S. dollar because pretty much everywhere we work, Central America, it, even though, you know, some countries have their own currencies, it's still a U.S. dollar-based system from a supplier standpoint for all the materials that we need. And the vast majority of our clients are North American. So they'll pay with U.S. dollars. We take Canadian dollars. We take euros, we take francs. I mean, we don't care pounds. I mean, we've taken many different currencies over the years, because for us, you know, whatever that whatever that value we're receiving is can be translated, you know, into a dollar equivalent that we can then, you know, m- make the adjustment on that number, right? But we price our 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 properties at sort of a U.S. dollar equivalent, and so right, so so you know, the the, the challenge is is if you go to a conference saying you and you're talking about oh this 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 tiny home here is four bitcoins, right, or w- whatever it is. Then, then the challenge is, you know, okay, well, somebody goes home and they call you up in a week, and now it's, you know, it's four point five or it's three point five or or whatever it is, right? So that kind of volatility is challenging. You know, we we just sort of, I mean, we just we're pretty upfront. I mean, like, hey, look, we're pricing in U.S. dollar equivalent and whatever the bitcoin equivalent is, that's what you need to deliver to us to have ownership of that home or condominium. And you know, I I think over time uh, the volatility of Bitcoin is going to uh, settle down again as it becomes more transactional, and the speculators are are out of the marketplace, and 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 it really becomes that medium of transaction for for you know people uh, generally. Then you know the volatility will 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 reduce significantly. I don't think it will never be gone. The dollar moves right; all currencies move against other currencies, but they move within a much tighter range. And I'm guessing that that. You know, five years from now, Bitcoin will be will be moving in a much, much tighter range than it is today.
0: I'm curious then, Mike, if you can maybe break this down a little bit. Are you saying that you guys will sort of agree upon a price, say Bitcoin at $40,000 a coin USD, and then obviously no real estate deal happens within 24 hours. It takes some time to get all the lawyers and yeah. Uh, yeah. have the money move everywhere. So, should the price have a significant move, either downside or upside, is that sort of what you're saying? Like, you'll agree to a price on this date, regardless of what the price is on date of execution.
1: Yeah, although we, we usually we usually bring it right in because you know what, what what we actually build to order. We don't actually we don't actually spec build homes. Oh, that's not true. We do a little bit, but generally, ninety eight percent of our business is is built to order right so somebody comes along and says i want this tiny house and we work through the paperwork and you know let's just let's just call it 150000 just an easy number right and so you know it's 150 and so on the day we decide to transact right everybody's lined up we get online we move whatever that equivalent of 150 in bitcoin is over to my wallet now if in the next hour or two or next day Bitcoin moves radically one way or the other. That that's that's me. I'm I own that, right? Um, so right. So once the client has has paid the one hundred fifty thousand dollar equivalent, all risk with the coin is mine, uh, both up and down, right? I mean it, it moves both ways. So um, and and that's why we have a standing order with Coinbase now to take ninety five percent of it and put it into dollars. I, I can't. I can't. You know, I, I can't risk the volatility. Five percent. I'm willing to. I'm willing to risk the volatility on that five, um, but not the money I need to actually you know, build their house and run our business, right? I can't, I can't put that at, at volatility risk.
0: Do you think that ignoring the shift in volatility, would something like more countries adopting Bitcoin as legal tender start to move that 5% allocation wider? Or what factors are you paying attention to in regards to potentially shifting that?
1: yeah I, I think it's I think it's largely the, the volatility issue in the trading range uh, over time. So I again, I think that's going to flatten. I think we're going to see that range really come down. I think more countries adopting Bitcoin as legal tender means more people transacting, right? And so again, when the Bitcoin comes out of the hand of the speculators who are looking for big gains right and into the hands of people who want to transact with it, you know th- th- that and and it's a limited supply. Again, I mean we have a fixed supply. So, so, so that, you know, if there's, I guess we're still making, you know, we're still mining some, but not much longer. I mean, we're kind of getting to the end of that, right? As a percentage, we're down to the last, what, 15% or something, right? So, so the, the, you know, the, uh, as coins come out of the investor speculative people's hands into the transactional hands, right? That's going to definitely reduce that. Uh, the thing that's going to reduce it mostly for us, though, is the fact that in El Salvador, we're going to be able to keep maybe... 10 or 15% because literally we're going to get that coin and we're going to go pay our supplier with it, right? So, so for us, you know, the ability to keep more means that it becomes more transactional for us. You know, again, we're not, we're not really keeping that 5%. I mean, that, that, that's actually more of a philosophical uh, basis for us. Again, we have employees that we pay. With it, we we anticipate some contractor payments, but we also are pretty you know bullish on Bitcoin. So there is a speculative play to that five percent as well. But again, for us to have it be transactional is the most important thing. And 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 again, oh, and Panama. I mean, Panama's again rumblings. We're gonna look at some legislation. You know, I hope so. Again, if if and when they really pull the trigger and make it legislation. Uh, to make Bitcoin legal tender alongside the, the US dollar there that that that's a big economy just like El Salvador I don't know how big the Central African Republic economy is uh, I don't think it's particularly big uh, uh, Panama's got a very large US dollar economy so uh, as more and more large economies do this the the stabilization of the of that value is is going to continue so one,
2: one thing I wanted to just jump in with is you know, how does the uh, the allocation that you're setting up, how does that interact with some of the new systems that are being built out with stable coins, like on, on uh, you know, Tarot and things like that? Does that change those uh, those parameters at all?
1: Um, so, so far, no. Um, you know, we have a couple of people in the company that pay attention to that. Uh, Gabriella Rapeto uh, really is the person on the front lines of of keeping track of what's happening in the industry and 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 understanding what those might mean for us internally, on on our I guess I'm going to call it our finance side, right? Because that's mm-hmm. really where that that crypto piece lays. Um, but I don't. She's not brought anything to my attention at this point that would indicate uh, any of that has has changed our our our, uh, our our allocations at this point. Got it. Can I can I just add one thing, just real quick, and Please. and. And and, and 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 I touched on a minute ago, and I just want to circle back, uh, and that's this notion of the difference between North America and Latin America. You know, uh, we talked about the difference in entitlements and, and time to build and things like that. But there's another piece that's that's really consumer centric, and that's this idea of moving from a what I call the land of seller beware, right, to the land of buyer beware. And, and you know, in the U.S., we've got all kinds of consumer protection. Agencies, we've got lots of regulations, we've got lemon laws. I mean, just on and on and on, where where we really are consumers within a very protective bubble, right? It, it's hard for somebody to screw us, right? It's not impossible. You know, I mean, Enron happened, but but for the most part, it's hard for 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 a, a company to really kind of give it to us bad. When we go south of the border, we leave the land of consumer protection. We leave the land of seller beware, and we enter the land of buyer beware. And what this means, really, is that we have to change how we think. And that's not easy, by the way. And, and there are two tenets to this. There are two tenets. We have to, we have to uh, forget what we think we know first. Like, we bring assumptions with us, right? We, we, you know, like, oh, it's going to be this way right and and i give one example and 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 this is a, it's a very visual example so this isn't so great but 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 when we buy a property anywhere um, you know we in north america we assume that we have hot and cold running water in all the bathrooms right we we just assume we have it and and when we buy property overseas you know that assumption is very dangerous and i have this picture of a condo in costa rica that was beautiful. I mean, a million dollar view. I mean, I think it was a fourth or fifth story condo looks out over the Pacific Ocean, nice bathrooms, nice you know, nice faucets, $150 Moen or Delta faucets up on top, mirrors, lighting, the bathrooms, beautiful, right? Two, two, ha- two taps, one on the left, one on the right, cold and hot. And you turn one on, water comes out. You turn the other one on, water comes out. But unless you know, unless you get rid of this assumption, right, that, that you're gonna have hot water, and get down on your hands and knees and look under the sink, what you see when you look under the sink is a cold water pipe coming out with a Y splitter so that there's water to both taps, but it's cold in both things. So areas. interesting. And the shower is cold too. See, so we have to forget the assumption. Like the assumptions are dangerous. Oh yeah, everything's hot and cold. Two taps, of course it is. Of course it's not, right? And the other axiom is that we don't know what we don't know. We don't know that we have to get down on our hands and knees and look under the sink, right? And so th- this, th- this, th- this concept is, it, it, it's hard. I mean, we, we, we actually created something called the Consumer Resource Guide, right? It's 15 questions that people should ask when they buy property overseas, right? It's 15 things that we either, we bring assumptions that are incorrect or we don't know what we don't know, or in some cases it, you know, it's both, right? And, and what these questions really help us do as consumers is frame our thinking or 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 help us think a new way. Hey, I need to think differently because I am in buyer beware. So I have to ask questions I would never ask in the US or Canada. And if I do that, I can actually make a really good decision, right? It's not that we shouldn't buy property overseas. We just need to approach it differently. And so as sort of a word of caution, as people get excited about buying property in, in El Salvador or other places, right, go for it. I mean, absolutely go for it. But, but, but and, and, you know, look, if, if people own in our community, they're going to have hot and cold water. I mean, we put in hot and cold water and we put in electrical service that meets U.S. standards. I mean, there are just a lot of things that, again, we just don't think about but but a lot of people are going to buy properties other places and 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 I hope they do. I mean, look, we're going to build 300 residences and I hope 300,000 residences get sold, you know, in El Salvador, right? I mean, or some big number, right? They'd be wonderful. I hope lots of people move there and we get our 300 of them and everyone else gets the rest, right? But but the consumer coming outside the US coming to El Salvador has to be able to to really change how they think and and this uh the consumer resource guide is a great tool to help people do that. So uh that 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 would be the one word of caution, you know, slow down, proceed with caution, change how we think um and if we do that, we will make a good buying decision, a good ownership decision uh for a property overseas. But but humility. If I had I to just sum it up, humility,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think that's such a great uh, thing to reiterate. I think of Bitcoin as uh, one of the things that it's about is kind of radical personal responsibility, right? If you're holding your own private keys, you have to take responsibility for owning it, that. and that's something that uh, you know in a different access, people are not used to doing. Everybody's used to being able to like spend money and then being like, oh, someone tried to steal my money, and then they call the credit card company, and the credit card company reverses the transaction, or oh, something went wrong with my bank account, I lost my password, and there's somebody there who can basically uh, just magically make it go away, and what people don't realize is that that kind of oversight, that kind of those kinds of systems, have a significant cost, and they end up often being used against you. And so, one of the things that is amazing about Bitcoin, and also as you said, something that requires humility for people that are that are new to it, is this radical personal responsibility. So it's very interesting to me that that um, that that translates to you know buying property it totally makes sense. Yeah. I think that a lot of Bitcoiners will be very used to that, and when framed as like you know you keep your Private keys very safe because you have to. Yep. Uh, it sounds like it's a similar thing when you're investing in uh, it, in property overseas.
1: It, it is. P. Thank you. I love that radical personal responsibility. That is a beautiful way to say it. And if, if with your permission, I am going to pick up that line and use it in the future.
2: That, Absolutely. Go for it.
1: <laughs> that's a good one. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Radical personal responsibility. Exactly. Right.
0: Uh, Mike, I want to. I'm going to paraphrase this question that we got from our chat. So essentially, I think the way I want to phrase it and have you walk us through, talk to us a little bit about when investors can buy into your next development and then where a potential resident fits into that equation as well. I know you said you guys don't build your sort of timeline as you essentially collect the money and then go off to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what if someone who wants to <coughs> Be an investor or owner of a property, isn't ready to live there. Talk us through sort of like what accommodations, if any, or systems you guys have in place. Like, is it easy for me to purchase one of the next lots and then just be Airbnb, Airbnb that out? Talk yeah. to us a little bit about that.
1: Sure. So, so what we've done in in El Zonte uh, is we actually set up a r- first right of selection program, uh, fully refundable, twenty five hundred dollar Bitcoin deposit. Um, and, and, and basically it gives you the first right of selection if, and, and, and that's really about a year from now. I mean, and I don't know, like 25, 30 people have, have signed up for this. Right. So next, you know, let's just say next April, whatever, next May we come to them and say, here's all the properties. They pick that one or they say, give me my money back. No problem. I mean, one or the other, right. They pick one now they're in. And so again, the construction timeline is about 12 months from the time somebody says I want it to the time they, you know, get the keys. So again, we'd be looking at April of 24 at that point for the keys. And, and so, right. If somebody says, well, you know, I I want to use it a couple of weeks a year, but I'm not ready to move down there full time. uh, That's easy. We, we actually, uh, again, we we have a hospitality component to our business because a lot of people are exactly like the person who asked that question. They, 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 they want to put their property in a rental program they, they want to re, you know, receive some income from the property until they're ready to actually use it full time. Or, or, by the way, we have some folks who never plan to use their property. They, they, they really see it as a cash flow, rental cash flow uh, investment for them for, for the long term. And, and maybe they use it as a vacation property once in a while. But, but, but it, it was the intended purpose with the ownership is to have it be a cash flow property as opposed to a residence um, so yeah, so we do that and, and, and our hospitality business is, 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 you know, as well-developed in Belize and Nicaragua currently, uh, and we'll be doing the same thing in El Salvador, uh, when we bring that
0: online. Love that guys. So any of you out there who are looking for your next Airbnb property, make sure you guys check out all the stuff that ACI is developing and building out. Uh, I know you guys are currently building out the, uh, community, the village, Talk to us about where you have your eyes set next. Maybe it's somewhere else in El Salvador. Or maybe it's somewhere else entirely. Do you mind sharing or divulging?
1: Yeah, no, no not at all. Um, we actually uh, in and two two things going on. One, we have uh, uh, all of our properties in Belize are out on Ambergris Key, which is the the main island off the coast. Uh, but but uh, next week, I'm like, when is that? It's next week. I'm down. I'm down in Belize, and we'll be closing on a jungle property. We. We are uh, working with a big Bitcoiner um, who purchased a resort in Belize. Uh, we actually operate, he contracted us to operate that resort for him uh, called Table Rock. It's, it's 11 little cool, uh, uh, very cool cottages in the jungle, right on the Mopan River, it's spectacular. Uh, and we're closing on a property next to it uh, for a uh, residential community. So building, you know, building a small village, right next to the to the resort there. Uh, that's probably our next what I'm going to call real live because it's already got roads, water access. I mean, it, it, it's kind of ready to go. So we'll roll with that one pretty quick. Uh, we have another project in Panama. It'll be our third project in Panama at the beach uh, that we're uh, it'll be a joint venture sometime this fall. We should have our permitting in place and be able to offer those products. Uh, and then a crazy one totally really an outlier for us is a villa in Portugal. It's in the Azores, actually. It's in the Azor Islands, uh, about two hours west of Lisbon, out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, if, you've, if you've never looked up the Azores, I hadn't until I was there last year, um, it is spectacular. Uh, it's beautiful, it's green, and these nine little volcanic islands out in the middle of the, of the ocean, but, but uh, just a wonderful Portuguese culture. Uh, we're, uh, we're closing on a villa there in June, uh, that that's already an operating bed and breakfast and we're going to build some additional uh, homes ar- around that villa so so three things kind of in the works over the next say 12 months that that uh, folks might want to keep an eye out for very different three very different things and and by the way you mentioned you mentioned something else in El Salvador uh I you know for us the, the 300 three, yeah two 300 residences whatever that that's really about a three to five year build out once we start. And so we'll, we'll stay focused on that until maybe we're two thirds, three quarters done. And then we'll begin looking for, for something else in in uh, El Salvador. So, so probably 2025, 2026, we'd be looking at at, at doing additional product in, in El
0: Salvador. Chris, do you think now is a good time for us to pitch David Bailey on getting a, a Bitcoin magazine house? there you go
1: i do a a con a content house let's do it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah two thumbs up (laughs) i think ck just had a heart attack with the amount of money that would go into that uh well Uh, mike one last question uh from me before i i let you sort of share with everyone how to stay up to date with everything um I love sort of what you guys are building the community aspect of it how you know people need to be these convicted individuals who want this experience who want this lifestyle yeah. i'm curious how you if at all want to incorporate more of a like circular economy where you see some of the energy that's being used also maybe is mining or helping to mine bitcoin for this community that is then able to capitalize on the bitcoin that's mined too Leverage out and continue to expand or grow these communities or villages. Any thoughts like that?
1: Absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, a lot of what we're doing with the tiny homes is so the the I, I, I'll make up a number. I'm close on it. 77, 79 homes under construction at our Grand Pacifica community right now, tiny homes under construction. They are all 100% solar off grid. And so uh, this This is this is a big part of what we're doing with our tiny homes. In fact, we have we actually have homes up to about two thousand square feet that are one hundred percent off the grid as well. So we're so we're 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 big into uh, gray water recycling. Uh, We have an agricultural component. Agricultural resiliency uh, is is a pretty important factor as well. So uh, in in the El Zonte project, that piece won't be there because it's a pretty compressed uh, property. But but where we have space, we, we do integrate agricultural elements for that resiliency, but the, but the solar and, and, and so one of the things that we, we'd like to do in El Zonte is tie all of the solar together, or maybe not all of it, but much of it into chunks, because during the daytime, once your battery's full, your battery's full, right? But you're still producing electricity and to have that surplus then run across to a mining center where the mining center. Would would mine and produce coin, which would then offset, you know, HOA costs, right? I mean, look, I mean, there will be an HOA. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you, know, you gotta keep the streets, and you, gotta, you can keep the lights on, and you know, and the amenities, keep the pool pumps working, and you know, keep the pool. I mean, just all the things that takes money to do, have security and all those kinds of things. So, um, so we actually uh, have talked about taking the excess electricity from the solar on everybody's homes having it come in and contribute to uh, uh, mining that would offset the general expenses of operating the property for the homeowners association so i think so that's one element i don't know that i I don't know that it it will be hugely profitable per se um, but i do think there will be an offset of significant hoa costs uh with the power that's that's produced from that so uh, again, I, I don't know the exact latitude. I think it's maybe 13, 14. I mean, it, it's strong sun, and and about seven, eight months out of the year, uh, it's it's you know it's really strong uh, sun. It's overhead. I mean, it's actually physically overhead uh, a couple of times a year as it passes over. So uh, so great great solar uptake, uh, and then being able to utilize that you know for for mining to offset HOA costs. Yeah.
0: Love that, love that. And Mike, I want to give you an, one last opportunity. I know that we've talked a lot and touched on a lot of different topics, but sort of give you the open mic, uh, whether it's on this topic or something else entirely, just anything that we didn't touch on.
1: You know, no, I, th- I, I really, I thank you guys for, 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 for having me on and, and, and the conversation. The only thing that, if it, if it's okay, I would just like to tell folks how to get a copy of the consumer resource guide. Is that okay? It, yeah. I mean, easy. I'm an email I'm an old guy. I'm an old guy. Look at me. <laughs> so I'm still email. So I hope you guys are email. Uh, but bitcoin at ecidevelopment.com. Bitcoin at ecidevelopment.com. We'll send you this. This is our consumer resource guide. 15 questions that you should ask when you want to look at property ownership overseas. Uh, you know, and if you see something in there, I mean, our website's in there. It's it. it by the way, th- this is this is this is not a sales document. This is articles. These are the fifteen questions. There's some little mini mini country handbooks. I think you know, like five or six little country handbooks we've got in here. Um, so if you see anything you want, you can follow up with that. But we'd we'd love to put this in your hand because then you become the kind of consumer who's educated and smart. And if you're out there in El Salvador stomping around. You're going to look under the sink and you're going to see if there's hot water. You're going to go look at the panel box to make sure that it's got more than four breakers in it. I mean, you know, just little things that, again, we as North Americans would never think to do, but we probably want to do if we want to love the home that we own. And you know what? A few of you probably will decide to become owners with us in El Zante, but the vast majority of you are going to buy somewhere else. And when you buy somewhere else, buy well, buy right, love the place that you own and become incredible advocates for the expat property ownership, overseas lifestyle. Um, you know, raise the, raise the tide because when you're telling great stories about your wonderful life in San Salvador or down the beach or anywhere in El Salvador, or if you buy a house in Thailand, whatever it is, when you're telling a great story about how awesome it is to buy property and live overseas or vacation overseas in your, your home, um, it, it It really does great things for 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 everybody who's doing it. Um so we're happy to provide this 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 uh, resource to you and and hope that you'll use it.
0: Awesome. So everyone who wants to, please check out Bitcoin at ecidevelopment.com. Uh, and Mike, where can uh, if people want to stay up to date with some of the projects you guys are building or get updates on the company? Is there anywhere on social media that uh, our generation, the young guys can stay up to date with you on.
1: <laughs> yes. And I wish I knew what they were. It's horrible. Um, but we 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 do. We have we have a Facebook page. We have Instagram pages. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. Um, uh, and so all, all of that is is out there. I wish I could tell you what those are off the top of my head. My bad. I will do better next time. <laughs>
0: it's all good. Honestly, we were laughing because I was like, I don't think Mike has a Twitter because we like to put our guests Twitter handles on the screen. So I did yeah. find the ECI development Twitter page. So that is on the screen. So be oh, sure to ahead check ahead. that out, guys. Um, and Mike, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure having you. Um, we'll be chatting again soon or keeping an eye out for updates on the project at El Zante and everywhere else around Central America. Really,
1: yeah. Thank you all for having me. I, I appreciate everything you're doing for the industry. And